the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 262 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Number one, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, only Uriah, her husband, and the baby died. But when David numbered Israel, verse 14 says 70,000 people died. Do you know how big and how large 70,000 people would be? That's that's like a a whole football stadium. They're just wiped out. 70,000 people. David took a census and 70,000 people died as a result. We take a census every 10 years in the United States. What is so wrong with the census that God would punish it so severely? We will find out today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving for over 27 years. He has been giving us a tour for several weeks now on the life of King David. God called David a man after his own heart. David was the greatest king in the history of Israel. But David also made some colossal blunders, and this census was perhaps his biggest. Let's open our Bibles and get ready to begin this final three-part chapter in the life of King David. This morning, we are going to conclude our study on the life of David. This is the last message on the life of David, and uh, we're going to conclude with one of the most interesting incidents in his life, and the story is found in First Chronicles chapter 21. In case you're wondering where Chronicles is, you, you find uh, Samuel, uh, which is where we've been following David. You find Second Samuel, you go past that, you, uh, you get to Kings, First and Second Kings, you go past that, you find First Chronicles, that's, that's where it is. First Chronicles chapter 21. The parallel passage is in Second uh, Samuel 24, but we want to follow First Chronicles. So I hope that you uh, are getting there or have found it. And if so, I'm going to read First Chronicles 21. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, which is only part of the story. If you can't find it, just listen. Then Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring me word that I may know their number. And Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why does my lord seek this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt to Israel? 
Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore, uh, Joab departed and went throughout Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the number of the census of all the people to David. And all over and all Israel were 1,100,000 men who drew the sword. And Judah was 470,000 men who drew the sword. But he did not number uh, Levi and Benjamin among them, for the king's command was abhorrent to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, so he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing, but now please take away the iniquity of thy servant that I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spoke to to Gad, David's seer, meaning prophet, saying, go and speak to David, saying, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose for yourself one of them that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, thus says the Lord, take For yourself, either three years of famine or three months to be swept away before your foes while the sword of your enemies overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, even pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now, therefore, consider what answer I shall return to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let me fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hands of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel. 70,000 men of Israel fell. Now, you would agree with me that this is um, an unusual story. And if you knew nothing else about this story, and by the end of this, this morning service, you will know about this story. But if you knew nothing else about it, you should at least make the conclusion that what David did was wrong. What he did was wrong. You may not understand why he did what he did or why God said it was wrong, but it was wrong. And there are several indications that it was absolutely wrong. Number one, in verse one, we read that Satan was behind this. In other words, Satan tempted David. He incited him to do this. And if Satan's involved in it, you know that it was bad. You know that it was evil. So that ought to alert you right away. In, um, in verse six, we read about Joab who who was David's general, who carried out David's order, but he was disgusted with it. It says in verse 6, he did not number Levi, Benjamin among the the tribes, for the king's command was abhorrent to Joab. He was disgusted by it. He was repulsed by it. Joab understood what was going on. Verse 7, it says that God was displeased with this thing, so you know that it was wrong. And in verse 8, David admits his sin. He admits his guilt. It says in verse 8, he said to God, I've sinned greatly in, the, in what I've done. And then he says, uh, take away the iniquity. I've acted very foolishly. So a number of things would indicate that this was a very sinful thing. Taking a census of the people or numbering the people was a very, very sinful thing. In fact, I would suggest to you that of all the, the evil things David did in his life, this was the worst. You say worse than, than what he did with Bathsheba? I would suggest yes. Most people would, when they think of David's uh, sinning, they would think that the really, the, the most significant, the biggest sin was his sin with Bathsheba. I want to suggest to you that this was far worse than that. Let me give you some reasons why. Number one, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, only Uriah, her husband, and the baby died. But when David numbered Israel, verse 14 says 70,000 people died. Do you know how big and how large 70,000 people would be? That's, that's like a, a whole football stadium. They're just wiped out. 70,000 people. 
Secondly, David's sin of passion robs Bathsheba of her purity and Uriah of, of his life. And those are terrible things to rob a person of. But by numbering Israel, David did something worse. He robbed God of his glory, as we'll see. He robbed God of his glory. It's a great insult to God. And number three, his adultery affected a few people. Affected Bathsheba, obviously Uriah, the baby, his family, his descendants, but his numbering of Israel affected the whole nation of Israel. It was not limited to a few. It affected the whole nation. So for, for those reasons, I suggest to you that this was the worst thing that David ever did in his life. It's a terrible thing. But the question we need to ask ourselves is why? What, what's so bad about numbering the people? Well, I, I think the, the answer to this lies in understanding the background of this, where David was in his life, what led up to this, and um, what the whole context in David's life is. First Chronicles 21 takes place, you should know, during the last few years of David's life. We're not exactly sure when, but it was the last few years of his life. In fact, Chuck Swindoll describes David at this time as gray at his uh, uh, temples, gray at his temples. He was an old man at this point. He was not a young, dashing uh, king warrior. He was an old man. But he was a successful man. He had been a successful king, and that's what you want to keep in mind. David had it all in terms of power and prestige and fame and honor. In fact, uh, several verses in Chronicles would indicate this. For example, 1 Chronicles 14, verse 17 says, Then the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him on all the nations. David, militarily, was Israel's greatest king, spiritually too. Israel's greatest king was David, and in terms of his empire, no one had ever expanded the empire of Israel. No one has ever expanded the empire of Israel like David did. Uh, 1 Chronicles 18 Verses 1 through 3, now after, uh, after this, it came about that David defeated the Philistines and subdued them and took Gath and its towns from the land of the Philistines. He defeated Moab and the Moabites became servants of David, bringing tribute. David also defeated Hadadezer, king of Zobah, as far as Hamath, as, as he went to establish his rule to the Euphrates River. You ought to look on your Bible maps and see how far the Euphrates River really is from Israel. Present Israel today. It's nowhere near the Euphrates River. Far to the, uh, to the east. But that's how large David's kingdom was. And just prior to this, uh, in chapter 20, I won't read it, but verses 6 through 8 say that David had a great military campaign uh, and defeated people who apparently were related or were the descendants of Goliath because there were some more giants that David defeated, David and his army. So at the time of chapter 21, David is fresh from victory. He's on top of the world. He is successful. There is no greater king than David in the Middle East. In fact, when he dies in chapter 29 of First Chronicles, it says that he was full of days, he was full of riches, he was full of honor. The man was wealthy. The man was famous. The man had honor. The, the man was successful. David was on top of the world. And, and you must understand that if you're to understand what was going on here. God had blessed David in so many ways, but David couldn't handle these blessings. That's the background. He couldn't handle these blessings. Instead of humbly depending upon God for continuing success, 
as a military leader and as king over his people. Instead of doing that, David stopped trusting the Lord and he started looking to his military strength for security. That's the problem here. That's what numbering Israel is all about. That's the sin. In other words, David's thinking is this. Let's see how strong we are militarily. Joab, count how many men we have to fight because it all depends on our military strength. That's a terrible thing for David to have done. Terrible thing. Rather than trusting God who had said, David, I will give you victory if you follow me. David has now turned from God and said, I believe if we're to win, it depends on how many men we have. Strength is in ourselves, not in God. That's the sin. And I want to suggest to you that the real message of chapter 21, the overall principles for us, the eternal principles for us, the timeless truths for us, would be this. It's a message about the dangers of being successful. The dangers of being blessed by God. And every one of us here have been blessed by God. Every one of us here. Especially in, in, a, um, in a sense in which we have material possessions. You may not have as much as some, but you have far more compared to anybody else in the world. Most of us can handle adversity a lot better than we can handle prosperity. Most of us can handle being down a lot better than we can handle being up because when we're down, we tend to turn to the Lord. Our attitude is, God, I need you. But when we've got things and blessings, whether it be spiritual blessings or financial blessings or career-wise blessings or even family blessings, there is a tendency to shut God out and rely on our own resources and our own strength. And there is a terrible danger of being successful. Terrible danger, and I want to suggest to you that that's what this message is about. We forget God, we rely on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own power, and that's a problem. So this morning, I'd like us to explore from David's experience in chapter 21, and this will conclude his life, uh, the study of his life, three dangers of success, with one danger really leading to the next. Three dangers of success, but we're looking for principles here. We're looking not just to discover what took place in David's life, but we want to be careful uh, as we experience God's blessings. What are the dangers that we face that we have to beware of? The tendencies, these are not foolproof. This is not automatic that if you're successful, you're going to be like this. But these are tendencies that we need to be aware of. Three of them. Number one, success often not always, but often breeds pride. That's the first danger. It often breeds pride. As we begin looking at verse 1, then Satan stood up against Israel and he moved David to number Israel. As the chapter opens up, the inspired writer tells us that behind David's decision to number Israel was Satan. Now, if you knew nothing else, you know that's a problem. That's a problem. In other words, the devil tempted David to do this. Now, immediately... Uh, that ought to alert you that something is wrong here. Something is very wrong or Satan wouldn't be involved in this. Something is very wrong. And you know, you know why you should also know something's wrong? Those of you who really are students of the Old Testament uh, should know, and if not, I will tell you, that prior to this, we read of two other times where Israel was numbered. They were numbered at the beginning of their wanderings in the wilderness, and they were numbered at the end, 40 years after their wanderings in the wilderness. And not only were they numbered, but God told Moses to do it. God approved of it. God, in fact, commanded it. 
the beginning and the end. Now, why did God command Moses to number Israel? Two reasons. Number one, to show them that at the end of their wilderness wanderings, they were less in number than when they began. But even though they were less in number, they still would conquer the land because God would enable them to do it. It was to glorify himself, to say, look, you're not as many as you once were, but I'm going to give you victory. Also, because the land had to be distributed. Joshua had to distribute the land to the tribes based on their numbers. If you're a smaller tribe, you get a smaller portion of land. If you're a bigger tribe, you get a bigger portion of land. But God approved of that. God commanded it. So so numbering Israel was not in and of itself wrong. Not in and of itself wrong. But with David, it was wrong. God didn't order David to number Israel because while the other previous numberings uh, served a divine purpose, a very good purpose to give God glory, what David planned to do served only one purpose. It was a bad purpose. It was to inflate his own ego. That's the only reason, to inflate his own ego. Now, David's motive was pride. And apparently, behind the scenes, this had been building up in David's heart for a long time. This wasn't something he just thought about. Apparently, uh, over a period of time, this had been building up an attitude of self-admiration for what he had achieved. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look how great I am. His achievements were both militarily uh, and economically. So he began to think more about the strength of his army rather than the power of God. And instead of uh, humble trust in God, David was thinking about, he was thinking like a secular realist, which is what we often do, like a secular realist who measures his strength solely based upon numbers and wealth. Does that not sound like us? Rather than, than God, you're my strength, not by might or power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let me see my numbers. Let me see my resources. Let me see my, my wealth here. And with this attitude of sinful pride, Satan saw a crack in David's mind. And he, and, he, and he got into that crack. Satan didn't make David do this. David wanted to do this. And when Satan tempted him, David uh, uh, was more than, than happy to do it because that's what he'd been thinking about. He placed his trust in manpower rather than in God's power. Now, you might wonder, in case you're not wondering, I'll suggest to you that you should wonder this. Where was God? Where was God in all this? We read about Satan, but where was God? I thought God is more powerful than Satan. Well, I told you at the beginning of the message that the, uh, there's a uh, parallel chapter in, first, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, the closing chapter of 2 Samuel, is a parallel chapter, and we read verse 1. It says, Now again the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it incited, meaning the anger of God incited David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Now that's very interesting. In 2 Samuel we read that it was God who incited David to do this. In Chronicles we read that it was Satan who incited David to do this. Is that a contradiction? Can't be. It's the word of God. Can't be a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It's, it's basically this. God used Satan to tempt David to do this evil because God's purpose was to teach David and Israel a lesson about humility that would promote their spiritual growth. It's no different than, than when, when Job in the Old Testament was um, uh, Satan inflicted Job. It was God who gave him permission 
God is so sovereign that he used Satan, and he continues to use Satan, to accomplish his purposes. Now, the difference is this. When Satan tempts, it's with the intention of us falling, and that was certainly the case with David. When Satan tempts, it's with his motivation and purpose and intentions for for David to fall, for us to fall. When God tests us, it's with the intention and purpose for us to pass. In other words, what God does is beneficial for us. That's his heart. When, When God uses Satan, Satan's motive is to destroy you spiritually. So they're coming from two different motives. But uh, in this case, God used Satan in order to uh, accomplish God's overall purpose. And that was to teach David a lesson of humility in all of Israel. His anger was not just against David. It was against Israel, their rebellion to him. Remember, Satan is the author of pride. He's the one who said to God, I will be like the Most High. And uh, he is uh, very happy, he was very happy to tempt David to be proud too. He tempted David to sin, and David certainly did sin. Notice as we go back to Chronicles, verses 2 and 3. So David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba, or Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring me word that I may know their number. And Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why does my Lord seek this evil? Uh, Why should uh, he be a cause of guilt to Israel? Joab, his general, has an idea of what's going on now. And um, he's warning David, don't do this. David, you've got all the troops that you need. And if you needed more, God can give you more. Why do this? But David overruled him. Verses 4 through 6 say, Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore, Joab... Uh, departed and went through all Israel and came to uh, Jerusalem. And Joab gave the numbers of the census and so forth. And, we, um, and we've read that before where he gave all these big numbers, but he didn't give Levi and Benjamin because it was so abhorrent to, uh, to Joab. Now, what do we learn at this point? What do we learn about success and pride from David's experience from this incident? Several things, two things specifically. Number one, Great men and great women of God fail in this area. They fail. None of us is above it or beyond it, pride. No matter how long you've been a Christian. David has been a believer for many, many, many years. He's an old man, and he's basically walked with God. He's called a man after God's own heart. He's, we're told that he had devotion to the Lord. But even still, David at times got in the flesh. So the million-dollar question is this. How do we keep then from being overtaken by pride? If we know pride's a problem and it never gets easier, the older you get, you may think, well, I'm a young Christian. I have struggles with this when uh, I've been a believer for many years. It won't bother me. Um, I don't think so. You'll always have a struggle in that area of pride. How do you uh, handle it? You want to write this down. You certainly want to remember it by being in touch with God by your own devotional life. That's how you stay humble. There is no indication in this passage of Scripture or in Samuel that David was in touch with God. No indication. David, uh, there's no indication he was spending time in prayer. There's no indication he was seeking the Lord's guidance on this. No indication he was meditating on Scripture. Christians who have a problem with pride are those who are out of touch with God. 
David knew better than to be proud. He said in Psalm 138, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. But he still fell to the temptation because he did not consult with God. We are just about out of time for today's Verse by Verse. I'm glad you could join us. Pastor Steve Kreloff is wrapping up an extensive study from the life of King David. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These Bible classes of the air are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Pastor Steve has some thoughts to share with us about why you might consider helping keep these programs on the air. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support Verse by Verse with their prayers and financial gifts. It's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you hear on Verse by Verse. If you've been blessed through Verse by Verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you. You can also get information or listen again to today's class at our website, versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to listen to this entire three-part message, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a phone number, and we will return your call during regular office hours so you can order a CD or cassette. I recently read about an author who had a picture of a turtle on top of a fence post. Obviously, the turtle had help getting there. He said that any time he began to feel proud of his achievements, the picture reminded him that he was just like... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.